This CTN viewpoint is brought to you by Code 42. This is CTN Viewpoint on CIO Talk Network. Welcome, listeners. This is Sanjog. All your host, and the topic for the conversation today is data security for the digital business. So we all know that going digital is all about data and the data you have in the cloud, the data centers, on the endpoints, and in many not as visible pockets within your organization. It may be your intellectual property or the institutional knowledge. It could be the team conversations, which may be rich with insights. With your digital dreams so heavily dependent on data, what are you doing to prevent data loss and leakage? What are you doing to build a data-aware culture? Is data security truly top of mind as you build your digital business? So to discuss all that, we have with us Chris Porter. Chris is the Senior Vice President and the Chief Information Security Officer at Fannie Mae. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining us. Hello. How are you? Very good, sir. And uh, so the first question Chris, is that the digital, this digital age that we're talking about, the very volume and variety of data that's traveling through mobile devices, cloud and web applications and IoT, it just keeps increasing. So how are organizations reconfiguring their operations such that the data stays secure as it flows through the ecosystem? What is your view in this today's day and age and what do you think is the current state? Yeah, certainly. I mean, things are so vastly different than what was just, you know, 10, 12 years ago, right? Used to, you had your data center, you had your office buildings, uh, your data was housed in your data center, it was stored in your databases, it was stored uh, on your storage devices for backups. And, and these days, it's, it's vastly different. Uh, you, you hear people talk about how the perimeter of these organizations um, have, have dissolved and your data is everywhere, right? You've got the rise of cloud services like AWS, where not only are you not just using you know, virtual instances, but you're actually using the native services in those cloud to actually store your data. Um, you've got platforms like Salesforce and ServiceNow that uh, you're shoving a lot of your data into as well, and it's outside of your organization. Um, and then, of course, you've got mobile. You've got your own data centers. You've got, I mean, the data is literally everywhere <laughs> at this point, right? And so it's incredibly difficult, especially as a security professional, to get your arms wrapped around where all of this information is. And it takes a lot of really good governance practices you know, a lot of the, the lessons from the credit card breaches are pretty important. And PCI, you know, they talk about within PCI, the, the payment card industry uh, data security standard, they talk about stored, processed, and transmitted, which I think is a pretty good framework to kind of think about when it comes to storing your data and securing it wherever it might be. Um, so when you think about storage, you know, whether it's in your cloud service, you know, are they encrypting it while it's at rest, while it's on the hard disk? Are you encrypting uh, the data and protecting it um, within the databases and the database services that they're in? Um, you know, as it's being processed in memory, you know, do you have good hardened systems um, that that the systems are operating under? And then, of course, the, the transmission of this data as it's moving across your system of applications and moving across all the different business processes that you have within your organization. Um, you know, is it encrypted in transit? You know, and that that's something that I think has really gotten a lot better 
you know, over the years, especially as things traverse the Internet to various different cloud services that might be available, different platforms that are available. Um, but you have to do all of these things. And I think one of the biggest and most challenging things is just identifying where all this data is, right? And that requires um, good governance, um, when it comes to uh, working with your business partners and what kind of data they're using, third-party risk management is incredibly important. You know, if you're storing your data in a cloud service, then you have to make sure that you have good contracts in place, that you have the, the ability to go check and validate and make sure that the data that you're providing to them, that you're giving to them in order for you to operate your business, uh, you got to make sure that it's, it's working there. So I think, you know, from a current state, you're absolutely right. There's an explosion of where this data is. Um, there's a lot of hard work that goes into uh, protecting it wherever it is. And how you do it is incredibly different in all of those different areas. Talk about organizational approaches to this. Seen many organizations still treating data security as only a technology issue. So what do you think is preventing us from seeing data protection in fact, as a business critical issue or an imperative so that we allocate the appropriate priority and investments. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It has been seen as a, as a technology issue. Um, I think where you can start being successful is you start talking in terms of risk um, to the data, but not just risk as in, hey, if this happens, it would be really bad, um, right? Because the business people, they know it's bad, but they don't really understand um, how bad it can potentially be. I'm a big proponent of uh, risk quantification um, and cyber risk quantification, and there's a framework out there called FAIR that stands for Factor Analysis of Information Risk, and it is a model that helps you quantify cyber risk, right? Um, and I'm actually, I, I sit on the, uh, the board for the FAIR Institute, so I'm pretty supportive of this framework. But what this framework tries does is it tries to quantify cyber incidents and cyber risk in terms of money, right? Money is what makes it a business issue because all the business people, they understand money. So think about this. I want to make sure that my non-public information, my personal information, say social security numbers are well protected. Um, and I need to be able to quantify, you know, what would it look like if I had a data breach and this kind of data was lost? So the model helps you quantify that kind of information in terms of like primary losses and secondary losses. So primary losses might be lost revenue. It might be replacing capital assets, you know, those kinds of things. And then secondary losses might be your response costs. You know, you might need to bring in a third party to come in and do an investigation for you. One of the big pieces that really helps drive this home is credit monitoring and notification, right? So this is where you bring in the experience, the Equifaxes, the TransUnions um, to help you after a data breach notify all of the people that you may have lost their records for. That is really powerful because these contracts that you have with them specifically state how much money you're probably going to have to spend on this kind of activity for credit monitoring and notification. So imagine you lost 50 million records and your contract said that it was $20 per record. And we know that, you know, between 3 and 10% uptake on credit monitoring because everybody already has it, right? Because of all the thousands of data breaches that have already happened previously. And when you start running the calculations here, you could say, you know what, at a lower bound for this type of incident for me where I lost 50 million records, I'm probably looking at like a 30 to $100 million loss, 
right? That's lower bound. That's only including credit monitoring and notification costs potentially um, just by running the math kind of thing. So if you think about it in those terms, when you have to go talk to the business and they're saying, you know what, this is a technology issue. I don't need to do this. I want to focus on these features over here. I don't want to focus on encryption. I don't want to focus on data protection. I need to risk accept this. You say, all right, well, if this data here were to be lost, you're looking at this kind of losses. Are you, as a business person, willing to sign up for that kind of loss if this threat were to attack us? And they don't sign up for it, right? That's not the kind of thing that they're willing to kind of put their name on and sign up for because they're in the business of making money, um, not losing money, and certainly not losing money when a big thing happens and you have that kind of record. So I think that is one of the most powerful tools that I as a CISO has and others have is really being able to talk about this type of loss, these kinds of incidents in terms of dollars. Um, that moves the needle for the business. That makes it a business issue because they understand the money um, when they don't necessarily understand the technology. People use crown jewel-based episodic approach to handling security in many cases in organizations. Do you think that's enough when we talk about data protection? What do you think should be a new way of thinking? What should change so that it's relevant, your data protection approach is relevant to the digital business that we are all going into? You know, it really depends on your company and the data that you're talking about and the type of business um, that you're running. So, for instance, if your crown jewel is data, but it's not necessarily non-public data, it's a process, right? You have this the only kind of data out there in the industry. Everybody wants it. And it's got to be available all the time, right? Then you need to make sure that your service that you're providing is resilient, right? It's not about losing the data necessarily um, as much as about making sure that it's always available and that you're protected against different types of cyber attacks that would affect availability. So like destructive malware, DDoS attacks, and, and those kinds of things. Um, you know, if crown jewels are intellectual property, then it's a very different type of protection mechanisms, right? It's much harder to detect if your IP is being stolen than if a credit card number is being stolen or a bank account number or something like that because intellectual property is amorphous. It's, uh, it could be anything, right? But all of these things are, are really part of that sort of crown jewel sort of thing. So it really depends on your company and what you determine to be one of your crown jewels. So I don't necessarily take the uh, perspective that you have to protect all your data in all the same ways. I think a crown jewel approach is actually pretty important. I think the key thing is making sure the company and you as a security professional know what those crown jewels are. Some people, you know, that can rightly say, hey, it's got to be this regulated data. It's all these social security numbers we have. It's these, it's the credit card numbers we have and all this other personal information. You know, hey, I got to protect this because there's regulatory impacts if I, if I don't do it, right? Privacy impacts if I don't do it. There's other crown jewels that might be a process um, and you got to protect how the process is done, how you fit all of these activities together. Um, and that's a, it's a much different way um, of doing that. But the bigger question is cultural, right? I mean, you have to be able to pivot your organization to make different choices. Um, you've got to make sure that you get closer to the, those business processes so that you know what kind of um, data that's actually needed. So, for instance, if you've got a business process that's um, using um, certain kind of data and it only needs it one time, 
then there's no reason to store it after that, right? You do use it once and then you let it go. Um, you dump it. There's no reason to keep it. And, and I think this is where security's biggest sort of maturation needs to take place is that alignment with business, alignment with business process uh, to make sure that you're protecting not only the data, but the data through the business process end-to-end. That really, that's what digital transformation is about, is all the end-to-end business processes and making sure that you're protecting it through its entire life cycle and then the business only keeping what they need. Let's talk about some of the practical strategies and approaches and tactics that could be utilized by the organization so that they could minimize data loss and leakage. What would those be? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to look at the kind of data you have again, right? So, for instance, if your data is personal information, um, then, you, then you need to sort of threat model what types of threats are trying to come after that data, right? So we know that if it's personal information, that organized crime and nation states would, would be trying to attack that information and try to steal it. We know that the, the kinds of ways that they may try to exfiltrate it would be uh, via email or uploading it to sites and various sorts of activities, um, you know, sending it out to command and control servers, um, so you try to set up your practices to really interrupt uh, the kinds of ways that the bad guys are trying to steal your data and try to exfiltrate your data so you could detect them at these various places. You know, one of the things that we do um, um, and a lot of the bit larger financial services companies um, goes is we use web proxies that prevent people from being able to visit certain types of websites. So for you to be able to visit a free mail website like a Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail uh, kind of account, you just can't do it. Like, you have to get special permission in order to access those kinds of sites. Um, you have to have special permission to access file sharing and hosting sites because a lot of those are blocked automatically. And then we actively monitor people trying to access those and visit them, and that's a, that's a way of us actually being able to see them. And then there's lots of other ways, right? I mean, you can um, encrypt the data. Um, you make sure that you take the key and you protect it really closely, and then you know, that, that's one of the ways and one of the most powerful ways, especially with data that would be within your applications, um, that people won't be able to decrypt it. Therefore, it's never getting out of your organization. Um, it can only be used within your applications. But the biggest key is having that sort of layered defense where you're not only got the protections wrapped around your data, your email, the workstations, your network, your organization, but also actively looking for those breaches. And I think that's, that's one of the big changes that I've seen over the last several years is organizations developing these hunt teams who are actually hunting for compromises. They're looking for things that may have already been compromised within the organization and not just waiting for, you know, a shoe to drop. They're looking for the shoe before it drops kind of thing. And that's really important. It also takes a big cultural change um, for a lot of these things. I'm fortunate that I've got a pretty strong culture here at Fannie Mae when it comes to uh, some of these practices that we have in place. I mean, we've got a lot of data. Um, we're a highly regulated financial institution. We operate in that way. But it's a very different sort of risk posture and risk appetite than, say, Internet start or, you know, a venture capital-based company that's a startup out in Silicon Valley. Like, they're, they're trying to build product and get it out the door and get more money and find customers. And their kind of risk posture is much different than, than an organization like mine. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at the situation in organizations where the data owners 
are different from people who are tasked to protect it. So there is no common agenda or incentives. How well is that working? What should we change so that we can indeed create the right type of data security for the digital business that we are all getting into? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Your business runs on data. The data created by your employees drives your products, strategies, and innovations. But do you know where your data lives and moves at all times? Stop data loss and easily recover from data security incidents with Code 42. Remove endpoint blockers, complex policies, and monitor live events and movements on both cloud services and endpoints, even those that are offline. Code 42, next generation data loss protection. Find out more at Code42.com. Visit today. This is CTN Viewpoint on CIO Talk Network. Welcome back. So, Chris, we are talking about the data owners in organizations which are not the same as the ones who are tasked to protect it. And that basically is a conflict right there because the agenda is different and incentives to do something is different. So how can an organization which has such an arrangement shift things to make it work? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing is, is you've got to get to that common agenda. Um, you've got to make sure that all of these groups are aligned and understand what's most important. And I could tell you a little bit of a story for our side. I think later on in our, our discussion, we'll talk a little bit more about the tools that can help to help protect all these sorts of data. But one of the, the big things that we've been doing is encrypting a substantial amount of, of data. And the way that we got there was actually jumping on the bandwagon for a much larger enterprise initiative. You know, when you're going through a digital transformation and that data is incredibly important, a lot of companies are creating these enterprise data initiatives where they're consolidating all their data because that's your competitive advantage, right, as a company, that the kind of data that you have, having the data all in one place, having it in a way that's accessible to the business and to the applications so that it can be leveraged for that sort of competitive advantage. And one of the things that I realized, you know, as we were building out this enterprise data service is that, well, why wouldn't we just build the security into the data service? Like, why do I need to, as a security professional, come in afterwards and build all these security tools on top of it? If I build it into it, then every single new application that comes out gets it automatically. They get encryption automatically. So if there's a service that requires social security numbers and requires personal information, then if they hook into our enterprise data initiative, then they just get it. They get it securely from the get-go. And I think that was really important for us, and I think it's important for a lot of organizations, is you've got to get the business people, you've got to get the technology teams, you've got to get the security people, you've got to get them all in one room. You've got to understand what the company strategy is, how, as a security professional, can you align to that strategy, make sure that you're transparently helping to secure and make all of these business processes trusted by your customers. And that, for me, was one of the most important things that we've probably done in the past year. In fact, most of the data folks that are working on our encryption projects, you know, I call them InfoSec heroes. Uh, they're the ones doing a lot of the really hard work in uh, working with the application teams, working with uh, the data and the business folks to make sure that we've got to do this. This is important. It's important for mitigating risk across the organization. And, hey, if you do it now, 
you know, down the road, it's going to be super easy and not going to have the sort of learning curves as we get it, because you're just going to get it by nature. And I think that's one of the most important things to kind of get those kind of outcomes is integrating security into the fabric of the work that you're doing. Talking about the protection and handling of data, which is, in fact, very tricky and tedious, as you explained the different examples and what it takes to make it happen. How about the technology tools? At least assumption is technology tools can make things easier. How are these solutions, the data protection solutions that are coming up or exist today, how are they keeping up and what's left to be desired? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there are a lot of really good tools out there that help you um, solve um, some of these problems and help you get visibility. And I think that's one of the important aspects is first, you have to get visibility into where your data exists. And so we took this approach, we call it the three by five approach, but Basically, the top three is find, protect, and transform. And then the, the find actually has a couple of different subcategories of scan and identify. Protect has reduce and protect. And then transform has encrypt and tokenize. And so I'll talk a little bit about, you know, how we went about this. Like, when you think about your data in your organization, you've got structured data and you have unstructured data. You can even say you have some semi-structured data in your organization. But the structured data... That's what people really understand. That's the data that's inside databases, right? Your Oracle databases, your MySQL servers, et cetera. Then you have all your unstructured data, right? This is your Word documents, your Excel spreadsheets, your access databases, all the PDFs, pictures, you know, all kinds of other data out there. It's unstructured because it's not in a sort of relational database format, right? And you have to treat these kinds of data differently. So, one of the ways that we started was we started with tools just to define this data. You know, the things that we're most important about is personal information, social security numbers, uh, credit card numbers, uh, the driver's license numbers, passports, et cetera. So we just whipped through the entire environment looking for all this stuff using various tools that does scanning across environment. And those are tools that you actually use to, like, look inside databases to find where this data exists. So it looks at all the tables. It looks at the data and says, hey, does this look like a Social Security number? Does this look like a credit card number? Does this look like an address? And that just helps you locate where that stuff exists. You can't protect it unless you know where it is. And then similarly, there's tools out there that helps you look through unstructured data. So it helps you go through a bunch of uh, Word documents or PDFs looking for, you know, the similar, you know, same data. So you got to find these locations. Then what we did is we kind of moved into this protect phase. Um, One is just delete the data, right, to reduce. So we looked at the data. We looked to see how often it was being accessed. If there was data out there that hadn't been accessed in years, we just deleted, it slashed and burned. We had to make sure that it wasn't regulated data that we had to keep for a certain period of time because of retention. But if there was no requirement, like a legal retention requirement, we just deleted it. Um, there's no reason to have it. And so that's really important because if you don't have it, you don't have to protect it, right? And then the protect piece was pretty important. Like, I want to make sure I understand exactly who's accessing this data. And then if they don't need access and they're not actually accessing the data, then I'm going to remove that access. That's an important aspect of this, too, because a lot of times access control seems to spread over the years where people have moved jobs, yet they still have access to the sum of the data that they had three or four jobs ago. Well, it's important to like look at the data, monitor who's using it, and then if people have 
access to the data, and they're not actually uh, going in and accessing it, so they have permission but not actually accessing it, then just remove their permissions. They don't need to access it. If they're not doing it on a daily basis, if they're not doing it on a weekly or monthly basis for those kinds of processes, then they don't need it. That's important, you know, reducing the surface area, less data, less access, incredibly important. And then the last piece was transformation. Um, So this is where, you know, encrypting the data. So you know where it is, you know who's accessing it. Now let's actually solve the problem more permanently through encryption or tokenization or some other form like that. There's a lot of the different database services, uh, database applications, and companies have their own form of encryption that you might be able to leverage as well. We're using the format preserving encryption, which is really a cool technology because you don't actually have to make application changes. Um, you can encrypt the data, and it encrypts it in a way that it keeps the same form. So a nine-digit social security number is still a nine-digit number. It's just not the real one anymore. And then that way the, the application doesn't have to make changes on the other side. If you can make things easier for your application teams where they're not having to make code changes just because you encrypt data, that is a win, right? So I think that was a pretty big approach how we've tried to solve some of these places, and it's a journey. Right, because you're always adding in more data from different places. You're always moving data out to third parties, and you have to protect that differently. This is a continuous process that you have to go through over and over and over again. It never ends. Let's talk about the culture, which you touched initially uh, in the previous segment, like the data where culture is what we all want to build so that data security stays top of mind across the business. What do you do to build that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just taking sort of a multi-channel approach. You know, in our organization, we've got all sorts of ways to reach out to our employees to help build that kind of culture. We can write blogs. We have uh, Yammer, uh, which is a tool that kind of creates a community. Information security actually has the largest subscription of uh, channel within Fannie Mae. So we have the most people subscribe to our information security channel. So that's a pretty big thing where we can constantly put out stories around uh, various data breaches that are out there to kind of keep it uh, top of mind to people. Um, There's certainly security awareness training. We have mandatory training that we do every year. We have little videos that we're starting to put out here in the next month by pretty interesting company called Ningio that has these little cartoons that have that are three to five minutes um, that have a very important security, cybersecurity message. And, you know, you've got to kind of attack it from all angles. I think one of the other aspects that I think is pretty important is, and we did this this past month, uh, or in October, rather, for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we just brought in a bunch of speakers. We've been doing this the last couple of years uh, to talk about various security topics. One in particular thing I think is important is I don't want to just do security awareness training on how to protect data within the organization, but I want to make sure that my employees can protect their own data at home, right? If I can teach them and educate them how to protect their own data, when they come into the office, they're more likely to help me protect our data, right? And so a lot of our awareness training is, hey, how do you protect your online digital identity? How do you protect your data, you know, when you're using social media accounts? How do you set up authentication for your email and Facebook and everything to do multi-factor authentication? 
you know, those are important aspects. And if they start using that kind of methodology outside of work, then when I'm doing that kind of thing here in the office, it's second nature to them. They recognize it because it's the same thing, except they're protecting our data rather than their own personal data. And I think that part, it, this is another one of those sort of continuous things. You can't just check off boxes and say, I, I did a security awareness training. It's got to be a continuous educational sort of approach that, that uh, builds on itself over time. One final question about the collaboration that must happen between the business, the IT, the data, and the security leadership, which will allow us to really build a robust data security for a digital business. What would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think the most important thing is to make sure that everybody is on the same page and that they're aligned on what's most important across the organization. What is the risk appetite for the organization? And then how do you put the right processes, procedures, people, technology, all in place where acting as one team, all aligned on trying to solve the problem? And that's the only way to do it. If any of those things are out of alignment, then you're not going to be as successful. You've got to make sure that all of these folks are in agreement on what needs to be done. There's got to be buy-in. Um, you've got to really focus on that. And a lot of that's just relationship building. It's communicating. It's talking to each other. It's, it's uh, talking about what's important. And we've done, I believe, a pretty good job of getting people aligned here. People know what's important. They understand what the risk appetite is for the organization. Um, and we've got really good leadership top-down that's really pushing this strategy down into the organization. Once again, thank you, Chris, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how organizations can enable data security for the digital business. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And listeners, I invite you to find related conversations on our website at ciotalknetwork.com. This is CTN Viewpoint on CIO Talk Network. This CTN Viewpoint is brought to you by Code 42.